Hello and welcome to the Shape of Work, a podcast series by Springworks. My name is Anoop and I am your host. Each week we'll be talking to top people managers across the world on the future of work and how it's shaping our workplace. So sit back and get ready to find out more from these movers and shakers as we have a no holds barred anything goes conversation with them about their journey, their insights, their thoughts, and most importantly their ideas and vision for the workplace of the future. Join in on the conversation. Leave a comment and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Shape of Work podcast and for this episode we have with us Aditi Arora who's currently working as a country director for Girl Up India an initiative founded by United Nations Foundation. Welcome to the podcast Aditi. Thank you so much. Hi everyone. So just to give some sort of brief background to our listeners could you please take us through your career journey so far? Yeah, so my career journey is extremely checkered and it's very non-linear. and i honestly didn't know what's going to come next so i'm not going to pretend that i had planned all of this out for myself cuz i didn't and um you know i started working in the field of demilitarization and peace building to begin with when i was younger right out of, out of college and i was extremely interested in understanding how we could use the funds that were used for war for better purposes like education However that was in Geneva when I where I was studying and um I came back to India and I started working in the public health sector and I worked two jobs in the sector where uh, one job was with uh, uh, the communications for change India it's a subsidiary of the Johns Hopkins Institute and uh, you know I went to from Geneva I went to places like Jashpur and I didn't even know where Jashpur was and it was such an eye opening experience for me because i got to witness the real state of affairs in the country and from there i started working in program implementation and management at another organization that was managing the national uh, deworming program i worked there for 2 years and uh, then i and then girl up happened and i've been working with girl up since 2018 and i absolutely love my job i'm knocking the wood because it's been a great experience for me Yeah. I mean, as as it should be. I mean, you should love your work so that you get to do it every day. You enjoy doing it. That's how it should be, ideally. So, since we're talking about Girl Up, so could you please enlighten our listeners a little bit about it? Yeah. Well, um, as you mentioned, Girl Up is an initiative of the United Nations Foundation. We are headquartered at Washington D.C. and we work with adolescent girls between the ages of thirteen to about twenty-four to position them as leaders in the movement for gender equality. And we do this by creating clubs. in schools and colleges and also in communities and what we do is that we give them resources we give them toolkits we give them capacity building training workshops to become leaders of self peer and change and the clubs really work on their vision of a gender just world so you know we have clubs in delhi that are working on menstrual equity they are working on advocating for body positivity or body neutrality or, or even mental health and then we have clubs that are going into urban slums and giving out stationery kits or they're giving out food packets especially during the pandemic this is there was a lot of service oriented work that was happening by girl up clubs so it's a mixed bag of things and we are very issue agnostic but also open to people of all genders i know there's because we are called girl up a lot of people assume that we are just for girls but our clubs are open for anyone and everyone who's interested in seeing a change in the world that's, that's what girl up is amazing work you guys have been doing and kudos to you uh, please sustain the good work and i hope all of us see the change that we have been aspiring to see thank you i hope so too 
So, I mean, we're talking about giving equal opportunities to everyone. I mean, that's the ultimate goal is. So how do you see corporate India in terms of creating opportunities for women in top management roles? That's a great question. We know that the Companies Act of 2013 makes it mandatory to have at least one woman on the board. So we've seen that there is an increase in the number of women in board positions. But you know what the strange thing is that women in leadership positions is not rising. So I was reading a a study, a 2020 study, which said that women had 17% of board positions in corporate India, but only 11% of leadership positions. So there is so much that the leadership can do to support more women in the workforce in general. And it starts by asking them, you know, asking the right questions and listening to them empathetically. What do women in, in the workplace want? And people need to start challenging their own inherent biases. So a lot of the times, and thankfully that hasn't happened to me, but a lot of a lot of stories I've heard are about women going in for an interview and then the hiring committee asking them about their plans for marriage, asking them about their plans for uh, conceiving. And while this is all very innocuous and it, it's it's not out there, but a lot of the times they lose out on, say, a global position if they had to shift to, say, from Delhi to New York for a position. They would not be considered if they were planning to get married or were planning to have a baby. So a lot of the times, I think people on the other side of the table need to start challenging their own inherent biases about women and their capabilities. And I I also think we need to really advocate for... uh, equal work, equal pay for equal work, even though it's the law. But we know for a fact that the gender pay gap and the wage gap is is quite a lot. It's huge. I don't have my numbers handy with me right now, but it's a well-known fact. And uh, I also feel that we need to start creating a pipeline of women leaders. And we do this by by creating or providing mentorship. Women lack mentorship and they lack uh, women role models. So if I don't know, if I don't see a woman in the C-suite, if I don't see a woman in the leadership position, I don't imagine that that future for myself as well. So extremely important to mentor women and help them see that they too can be a part of the top management of a company. In the end, I, I also believe that companies need to foster psychological safety. So psychological safety is a concept where women feel that they could voice their own opinions without any backlash from their superiors. And that's very helpful to for women or even for anybody else, honestly, to have psychological safety in their companies or in their organizations. So these are a couple of things I, I think that can be done to support more women. And definitely, I totally agree. And I feel that, you know, the only parameter to judge somebody, you know, whether it's in terms of pay or how they're treated at workplace should be the work that they're doing and it has nothing to do with the gender or any sort of the background that they come from skin color i mean there's so many biases as we say unconscious biases that we keep on talking about that it's there even we may not be aware about it but it's out there so it's high time we speak about it and cancel it out and just concentrate on the end part of it which is the work yeah yeah definitely So uh, how do you think women leaders can break through glass ceilings at work by following their unique patterns of leadership so that, you know, there might be this constant pressure of, you know, performing as much as the uh, male counterpart is doing. So women sometimes have to be a part of this rat race of, you know, maybe contributing as much or maybe just trying to, you know, just make a mark. But how can women be unique when it comes to leadership positions? I mean, they could be coming with great ideas. They could be doing some great work that could, you know, lead to better results in the organization. It's a great question because 
not just not just in um, in the workplace but also if you've ever noticed i don't know if you have but it's been a constant observation that me and my girlfriends have had is that whenever even in school right if you're if the girl knows the answer and she knows the answer she'll always say i think i believe this might be right am i right they're always so unsure of their of themselves always but if uh, and i studied in a co-ed school but i've seen my 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 male friends they're always so confident even if it's the wrong answer and i think there's so much confidence gap in men and women that it translates into the workforce as well so whenever women are in the workplace and they're doing really well they're constantly second guessing themselves so the first thing is to build that confidence in in our girls to believe in themselves and the work that they're doing and uh, you know it's a very well known fact that companies and i hope i get this correct companies with at least 30% women in leadership positions are 12 times more likely to be in the top 20% of financial performances and that was a bit of a bit mouthful for me as well but it's it's true and for the first time in many many or the first time ever i think women ceos lead about 10% of fortune 500 companies that are doing really well and women outscore men in leadership effectiveness and i'm not saying this because of my personal experiences but it's it's proven by data and that has been done by cindy adams of the leadership circle and i encourage everyone to go read her uh, her articles on leadership women also have a very creative mindset and they have like a play for all to win kind of a mindset right they have a very community community oriented mindset as well and men can have that too and men and most men also have that but they're just as likely to have a play not to lose attitude so that's the difference in the mindset and approach towards leadership between men and women and women build and cultivate strong connections community connections which is very very interesting to me to see this difference in approaches to leadership between women and men so given all of the data given how women approach workplace at the end of the day i feel cultivating confidence in younger women and younger girls will go a long way in you know breaking this glass ceiling as you said yeah i truly truly agree with what you said and like you very correctly mentioned you know from the school days itself so the change needs to need, needs to be bring from the grassroots level i mean it's, it, it is needed to be there since the inception and not just something that we start fostering okay when we have reached the corporate world or we start working at a leadership position or we are striving for it it should yeah. be there like the level playing field should be for everyone right there from the beginning so kudos to the very good work that you've been doing and i really look forward to more work from gala so now we're talking about diversity and when we talk about diversity we usually forgot about talking about minorities i mean so how can businesses better balance the requirements of ethnic minorities in terms of employment mental health professional advancement and cultural integration so that you know they feel they have that feeling of as we say edib that is the equity diversity inclusion and belonging in the organization you know as i mentioned in my previous panel and which you attended i i said that has become a buzzword lately yeah. edi because it, all of this feels very tokenistic right sure. we'll have one woman on the board because it's mandated by the the company's act and then we don't that's it you know that's it we're done we have one woman we're done we're now very diverse as an organization or as a company but in order to truly have equity and inclusion there are a lot of things that need to be done and it's a really it's a concerted effort it's a consistent effort and it requires a lot of time and effort from everyone uh, not just the senior leadership team 
Firstly, it's very important to set up a DEI strategy of your organization. What is your DEI strategy? Until unless you don't have where you want, until unless you don't have a baseline and do a social audit of your team and you don't know where you want to go and how you want to achieve that goal, you can't have a, a diverse, inclusive and equ- equitable workplace. So that assessment, that social audit is very important for an organization to do. It's an internal audit. It can be done by an external consultant as well. You need to get that in place. You need to have consistent workshops or uh, training of everyone in the team to understand what DEI is and to mitigate unconscious bias. Then in, in terms of strategy, of course, you know, having period leaves, having mental health leaves, having flexible working hours, which is so important. And we know this works. During the pandemic, all of us were working at home remotely. So we can do it. And why not give this op- option to to parents why not give this option to people with disabilities why not give this option to people who are not staying very close to because of you know it's very difficult and very expensive to stay in the heart of the city so if they're going to spend 4 hours traveling what are they going to bring to the table then so having that and you know we just um, we it was yesterday right and we had a team member who was fasting so we made sure that they were not on calls after 5 p.m. because we also work with the U.S. team and we have very different working hours. But we made sure that they were not on calls after 5 because they had to break their fast. And it's also a very long day for them. So how can other organizations create space for people who are practicing, you know, fasting, for example? How can we how can we support them? Also, so something that we've done at Girl Up, and we're a very small organization right now in India, but we have something called Brown Bag Fridays. Brown Bag Fridays are essentially very informal uh, working lunch meetings where we all get our brown bags uh, with sandwiches. I mean, it could be anything, uh, but the idea comes from there. And we sit and we discuss what we've learned in, in the week. So for example, I've been t- doing this fellowship and I learn a lot about leadership. I learn a lot, lot about um, the neuro the neurodiversity and neuroplasticity of leadership. It's very interesting. So how can I share my knowledge with my team? And if something, you know, my team is learning about something, how can they share that with me? So I don't know if it comes in DEI, but knowledge sharing, I think is very important to foster a space where everyone is learning together. So um, yeah, that's that's what we could do. Perhaps these are some of, some of the ways. Yeah, it definitely does sound to the DEI because, I mean, to be included in an organization and to have the sense of belongingness to the organization comes when, you know, the team that you're working with has empathy for you, as you mentioned, that somebody was fasting. So you make you made sure that, okay, that person should be given time to, you know, just do whatever is required for her to do, considering that it was festival or something. So that that's the sense of belongingness that we need to have for an organization that we work with so that we are also able to deliver what is expected out of us. So amazing. I am I am literally a fan right now considering everything that you're saying of Girl Up, of you, of all the good things that you've been doing. So sustain and just say that I hope we have more people like you. And there comes a time when, you know, we don't have to talk about DEI so explicitly. I mean, it becomes just as a part and parcel of our lives as it should be. I mean, it. why do we need to discuss it so much about it so and another buzzword is the technology or you know how the technology or the ai chat gpt everything that has come into the picture so how do you think it is going to shape the future of work 
I mean, it could be from any lens, be DEI or be working in the organization. How do you think technology is going to impact? You know, I because I'm a millennial and not a Gen Z, I also uh, <laughs> feel technology is a double-edged sword. Definitely. It could be used for social good, but also it's very it's very exclu- exclusionary in a sense, um, especially given the country that we work in. But because we were talking about DEI, I, I think technology can be used to foster DEI in, in workplaces. And, and there are so many ways it could be done. You know, we could have blind hiring platforms because a lot of bias comes when you look at someone's name, when you look at someone's picture, there's unconscious bias. And, you know, this happens in, I was very interesting when I was in Geneva, everyone was uh, asked to put a picture up on their resume. And I felt like maybe that's not okay because a person of color might not be hired because of unconscious bias by the hiring committee. So AI or technology can help us do that, mitigate that bias by having a blind hiring platform. It could also help us in, you know, assessing our diversity, our current diversity at our workplace. So using analytical softwares to assess the diversity of a company. I mean, ours is a very small organization, but, you know, if there was an organization with a thousand people, of course, technology and AI can help us do that. And then build out strategies to fill those gaps if they arise. Technology can also help us, you know, have, uh, say, accessibility features on on apps or on websites. So if someone with a disability might be able to do work by by being assisted by technology, which is amazing. And it also supports remote work. All of us have been working with just this laptop. And I wouldn't have been able to apply to a job based in the US if I didn't have access to the laptop. So I think accessibility is also increased. And and here's, here is the double-edged sword because, because I have privilege and I have access to a stable internet and this laptop, I get access to a lot of opportunities. Whereas someone who didn't have this would be left out. So I think we have to be very cognizant of this as well. And, you know, these online job portals, these e-learning websites and courses have come up, which has really improved workplaces and, and people's skills. So I take technology with a pinch of salt and also understand that there are two sides to this. But technology for social, I highly ad- advocate for technology for social good. So these are some of the ways, ways in which we could benefit from technology. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree with what you said. And, you know, my next question was also somehow related to it. I mean, I was about to ask you about, you know, the best practices for creating more diverse and inclusive workplace that addresses the unconscious bias, of which I think one you answered by having like a blind hiring procedure using uh, technology. So do you have any other in mind, I mean, which you would like to talk about? You know, in Girl Up, we have something called, um, they are like employee resource groups. And and because UNF, sorry, at UNF, we have employee resource groups because UNF is a bigger organization, like the APAC group. So people who are from the Asia Pacific region have a, a group. I mean, they come together, they celebrate festivals. They also use that opportunity to educate their 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 uh, colleagues and their peers about the issues of their community or even the cultural nuances of their community. And I found that very interesting because peer-to-peer learning is is very effective. And having your own network in an organization, a network of people from your own culture and similar backgrounds is is very helpful. So perhaps a bigger organization could have these resource groups. Um, and every I think every quarter they do, I mean there's a MENA group, there's an APAC group, and each of them do a brown bag of sorts where they come and talk about different issues. That can be one one way. We also have a DAI consultant who comes in and constantly 
or periodically reviews our policies and our strategies so that our promotion or recruitment policies are well laid out and they are non-discriminatory and there are chances for more people of diverse backgrounds and people of color to be promoted to leadership positions so there's a there's concerted efforts happening while i can't say of other organizations what's happening at their end but i can definitely say for girl up that we really value dei at at our organization and we take concerted efforts to achieve that so yeah i think i've mentioned quite a few other things in in my previous answer so these are a few other things that we can do yeah definitely and i'm again again going to say that you know i have become a fan of girl up with all the good things and all the good policies that it has in place i mean Uh, it's so good to see an organization being run by such powerful women and you know at the same time practicing what they preach which is very important a lot of organizations actually do that they talk about the i obviously like june is around the corner so it's going to be like a big thing suddenly but you know practicing what you preach is i think more than anything the execution of those strat policies is the utmost important thing um, so since girl up have been has been doing it so kudos to you for being a part of such good organizations and i hope we get to see more so as we move towards the end of this podcast i mean i would like to ask that what are some of the non work areas that interest you i mean what keeps aditi going in life i mean we have discussed quite a lot of work now let's get to know aditi a little bit more oh aditi is a aditi does a lot of work <laughs> rarely has time for anything else but I love dancing. I used to dance a lot before the pandemic. I recently got trained in aerial yoga. So I'm wow. a trained certified aerial yogini. Um I also travel a lot. I'm traveling to Sweden on the 1st. So I'm wow. very excited. Yeah. Yeah, and I also visited the Van Gogh exhibition. You should do that. It's really good. Yeah. I really wanted to. My friends have been asking me for it and I was like, okay, let's do it for it. And I think it ends on 30th April, right? Yes. Yes, definitely <laughs> going to check it out. So, yeah. thank you, Aditi, for joining us. It was truly a pleasure to have you, and this has been one of the most fun episodes I've recorded. So, thank you for joining us. It was my pleasure. Truly, likewise. So, and thanks to our listeners for tuning in, and we come back with another episode very soon. Thank you.